before we get to our reading in Acts, just a few kind of comments about what we're going to be doing this summer. Uh, we have a confirmation class going on. We're on break for the summer, but uh, we have mentors for the confirmands, and they've come to a couple of the classes. And some of the comments I heard from that was, oh, we need one of these for adults. They said they liked it. They liked learning about it. And the kids we have in confirmation are fantastic, and they ask great questions. So out of that, so we're doing something different this summer, and we have 12 weeks of Wednesday evening services. We're going to do a 12-week series called Back to Basics, where we have a topic of kind of fundamental Christian theology each week. Readings are going to go along with that topic. And then, hopefully, I know this will be different, hopefully this will become more interactive and less me talking at you. So sometimes I'll ask questions, and they're not rhetorical. You can say things. Or sometimes there'll be times to ask questions or comments about things. And I encourage you to do that. Um, so we'll do a little bit of that tonight. Hopefully, hopefully we'll get in the hang of that. It's a lot of fun learning together. I enjoy confirmation because of that, because they're asking questions and we're learning together, and it's a great time. So that's what we're going to do this summer. So God is our first topic. We're starting at the top in many ways. So our third reading is from Acts chapter 17, verses 22 through 28. A little background about this uh, passage. Paul is on one of his missionary journeys. He is in the city of Athens. Athens is the place where um, we get a lot of Greek philosophy from. That city was steeped in Greek philosophy. Um, it was also known as the place of, of the Greek temples and statues to the Greek gods. And by some counts, there were maybe 30,000 statues in that city to different Greek gods, more than the people who lived there. So Paul was there, and he was walking, and he was seeing um, what was taking place. He started preaching, and like happens often, he started preaching and was ushered away to a council to stand before them. And that's where we pick up. Paul stood up in the middle of the council on Mars Hill, and said, people of Athens, I see that you are very religious in every way. As I was walking through town and carefully observing your objects of worship, I even found an altar with this inscription, to an unknown God. What you worship as unknown, I now proclaim to you. God who made the world and everything in it is Lord of heaven and earth. He doesn't live in temples made with human hands. Nor is God served by human hands as though he needed something, since he is the one who gives life, breath, and everything else. From one person, God created every human nation to live on the whole earth, having determined their appointed times and their boundaries of their lands. God made the nations so that they would seek him, perhaps even reach out to him and find him. In fact, God isn't far away from any of us. In God we live, move, and exist. As some of your own poets said, we are his offspring. Word of God for the people of God. So the question I ask the kids, if you ever think about God, what are the things that come to mind? What pops in your head when you think about God? Almighty. 
What was that? Trinity, says a conferman. Well, sunsets. Compassion. Holy. Holy. That's different than old. Anything else pop into your head? Powerful, omnipotent. You guys have been paying attention in church over your lives. Creator of heaven and earth. All-knowing. So spying on the kids through the tree. Justice. All-encompassing. Father. The others. Mother. Oh boy. Oh boy. This is going to go downhill. That was good. Love. It's a pretty good list. When they say, oh, oh, so when they swear using God, yeah. Yeah, so if they use God's name the wrong way, reminding them about language and, yeah. We all have different kind of ideas that we latch on to about God. But the amazing thing is about that is that we can never exhaust thinking about God. It's not possible. I have a lot of books on my shelves, and I can have a lot more books on my shelves about people writing about kind of who is this God, trying to decipher who God is. People have been wrestling with it for a long time. And that's the beautiful thing about God, the beautiful thing about Scripture, the beautiful thing about our faith, because we're supposed to wrestle with it. Unfortunately, a lot of us want to kind of define God. Have you heard people really try to lay out a case that they fully understand God or really understand who God is or that list of attributes that God is? I've heard that. I've heard people really try to whittle down who God is. There's an old... Um, joke in seminary, this, is, this will give you insight into seminarians, that the nightmare for a seminarian is, you know, you get to a class, a theology class, and it's an exam, and you get the test, and there's one question on it, and it says, define God and give three examples. You can't do that. You can't do that on a test. We can't define God. In this passage with Paul in Athens, when he's talking in front of these people who, for fun, would attend philosophical debates. That was a pastime in Athens. They would gather and watch people debate philosophy. That was the kind of crowd that Paul was talking to. And he found this altar. They were so worried about representing all of the gods. He found this altar that was to the unknown God. They just wanted to cover their bases and make sure they didn't leave anybody out. The unknown God. Paul finds that altar, and that's his way to introduce him to how he understands God to be. And we heard some of that. The creator of heaven and earth. You know, the one who created everything. The one who calls them children. That is the God he's introducing them to. 
the God above all the other gods, the God above the ones that they see the statues of, the God above the ones they go to the temple to worship, because God doesn't live in a temple. God doesn't need things from humans. God is creator of all. We make the mistake often, though, of wanting to whittle God down to something we can understand. It happens all the time. We want to understand God. That can be so frustrating. I get frustrated sometimes. I would like God to operate differently than God operates in the world. I have suggestions. God's not listening. But that part's hard because... I want to understand God. But I'm going to let you in on a little secret with the Christian faith, and as we talk about these different things, this is going to come up often. God is a paradox. God is multiple things that seem to contradict each other all at once. That's what the Trinity is. Like William pointed out, we had talked about this. We say God is one. There is one God. But there are three parts in that one God. And they're all separate, but they're together. And they're all equal, but not quite, because Jesus says God's above other. That's a paradox. It's both things at the same time. God is one, God is three, all at once. The same is true when we talk about Jesus being the incarnation. Jesus is fully God and fully human, all at the same time. One of the things we need to do as Christians is start to find comfort and peace in sitting in the unknowable and the undefinable and just resting there and giving up this urge to define who God is and what exactly God is. It doesn't mean that we can't know anything about God. Paul's talking about the noble attributes of God. Paul has experienced God as creator of all things, as the one who is above creation, as the one who calls them to worship and to relationship. But every time we try to define God in a way that we can understand, all that happens is we create a God in our own image. We create the God we're comfortable with or that we want. It happens all the time. You can probably go to different churches around town and you might hear some of that. Where you hear about a God that doesn't seem to really match up with what we read about in the Bible. Oftentimes, in order to understand God, we made God smaller and fragile. So as we think about who God is in this idea of back to basics, what ways could you expand your understanding of God? How can you expand your understanding of God? Or what are the ways that you find yourself limiting God? I'm guilty of that. I worked in a hospital for a long time and saw a lot of sick people praying faithfully for healing, and I didn't see any healings, 
People were sick. They got sicker. Sometimes they got better. Sometimes they died. And while it's true that I could kind of see God at work in some of those instances, I really wanted God to be more present and actually heal people. That would be better, by my judgment, if I were running things. So I think sometimes I closed myself off to seeing God at work in healing in different ways. I was focused on physical healing, but then as I look back, relationships were healed before somebody died. Or somebody found peace before they died after turmoil in their lives. I can limit God when I think about God. And it's hard to avoid that. So we have to expand how we think about God. In the Christian faith, for us, we think about God as being God of heaven and earth. God is kind of distant and out there, the creator of all things, gigantic, kind of undefinable, kind of unknowable. But at the same time, in the Christian theology, God is personal and intimate and present and involved, knows us each by name, calls us each by name, is at work in the world, cares and loves the world, that God created. It's another paradox. God is both undefinable and unknowable and incomprehensible and personal and intimate all at the same time. One of the things we have to do is be open to that. Be open to experiencing God in both ways. When do you experience God the most? Can you think of a time that you would say you experienced God? What? Walking through a national park? Birth of a child? I'm with you on both of those. Anything else pop into anyone's head? Katie. Great choir concert. Kathy. When you sit on your deck in the summer, singing the good old hymns. When you were confirmed. When you pray. When somebody dies. You're here in church. If we pay attention, we can each think to times we experience God's presence. We experience God in a real way. We might not be able to define it or to really put words to it. I've written about sitting on a mountaintop and watching the sunrise. I've been in a lot of rooms where people died. And I started to see that time as holy time. And I was invited into this holy experience of these families. 
experienced it with my own mom. We can think of times where we experience God, where we're shown the closeness and the intimacy of God. And we have to hold on to that while never losing the wonder of God's undefinable and unknowing. We have to hold on to both of those things. So as we go through this series, as we kind of go back to the basics of Christian theology, hopefully you'll expand your thinking. It will open up new things to you. Because the beauty of our faith is that it's so much bigger than we can ever imagine. And the impact of our faith is so much bigger and deeper than we can put words to. So God is both knowable and unknowable, vast and close, incomprehensible, yet known in our hearts as loving and grace-filled and forgiving and present with us all the time. That is the God we come together to worship, the God who is here with us the God who knows us each by name, the God who we serve out of our love for God. Amen. Thank you for listening to this week's sermon from Community Presbyterian Church in Grand Rapids, Minnesota. 